moves aren't welcome. Everything is just so programmed. But God, not here, God. We say, may this be a place where you are always welcome to have your way. Because God, we serve you. It's not the other way around. We serve you, God. So grace us with patience today, God. And Lord, I pray that you would redeem the time unto us, God. May every ear be open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the church. I thank you for an anointing upon my life to preach and teach this word that you've given me. I pray for an anointing upon the people in this room, even the teenagers who will be remaining in our service today. May the teenagers have an ear to hear what God is saying. Clear their ears out from the things of this world, from the perversion of this world. Clear our ears and minds and hearts, God. Clean our plates on the table that you set before us. Actually, give us a new plate and give us a new wineskin so that we might receive this wine and this bread, that we might receive you and have life and have it more abundantly. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence, God. As David said, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from us. And we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Kimberly, if you're good, if you can stay about five more minutes or so and then you're free to free to go praise God we're still in a series well thank first of all I want to thank God for my wife Brooke and the message that she brought last week I was so blessed to hear that amen we're so thankful for her and it's so important that if you're going to be a part of this church that you don't have a favorite speaker you're going to be messed up if you got a favorite preacher or favorite speaker. You've got to understand that your favorite speaker is the Holy Spirit. That's got to be your favorite messenger because you will be messed up if you say, well, I can't receive if it's not from Pastor Damien or Pastor Jim. God might have something wrapped up uh, for you and someone else that you're not ready to receive and you'll miss your blessing. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, and it's about his spirit. So we're in a series called Clean Heart, Right Spirit. And today's message is entitled, Offering the Required Sacrifice. God will never reject a broken and repentant heart. So invite him to live in yours, and he will. If you knew a camera crew was going to come to your house, an hour after church dismissed, what would need to be done? Think about it. Are the dishes in the sink? Beds unmade? Pizza box on the dining room table? Like, what would need to be done if CBS was going to broadcast live from your house and walk through every room? What would you need to do? Some of you would say, move. Or <laughs> Burn it down. I don't know what you might say. But listen, listen to me. 
CBS isn't coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is the one that's coming. And we've got to prepare our hearts to be a place that occupies his spirit. And here's another thing. I've been doing some searching on Ancestry.com, and um, I found out a couple things, right? So my dad, he's dead. And then my grandpa, he's dead. And then my great-great-grandpa, he's dead. And my great-great-great-grandpa, he's gone. And all along the line, they're gone. So what that lets me know is that my turn is coming. Church, your turn is coming. And yes, Jesus Christ is coming back, but there's a good chance you might go to him before he comes to you. And so we've got to ready ourselves, amen? If you've got a mobile device and you're not on the Bible app, could you put that away for me just for a little while? And then you can get back on those phones uh, when you leave service. Let's just have honor for the word of God this morning. All right. School is in session. We're about to learn about God and the things from God. And if you can't have phones at your desk at work or in the classroom, let's just honor God in this moment and hear what he has to say. I know that it will change your life, but you've got to be able to hear it to receive it. All right. Thank you, Kimberly. Can we give Kimberly and the worship team a hand for what they've done for us this morning and preparing the way? We're talking about offering, and you can leave that on. We're talking about offering to God the required sacrifice, giving him what he asked for. One of the first visions I ever had was in Columbus, Ohio, and I was laying on my back in a closet, and I'd finally surrendered my life to God. I was living with Belinda at the time. Belinda, raise your hand so they know. I don't just make up stories. All right, so I was living with her, and she let me live in the bigger of the two bedrooms, and that bedroom had a walk-in closet, did it not? Okay, and I was in that walk-in closet, and I... I had given my life to Jesus, but I knew there was more. Like, I, I knew I needed him to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Church, can you all raise your hands for a moment and say this with me? Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because there's more, church. I promise you there's more. Salvation is wonderful, but there is more. And the more is the filling of the Holy Spirit, where you become a, uh, where you become a residence for the Spirit of God. And I raised my hand in that walk-in closet, and I was just worshiping the Lord and saying, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, I was, I was moved from the closet floor to a desert. I saw myself in the, on, on my back in a desert and I had what I thought was my heart in my hand and I was lifting it to God. But when I looked at it, it was just a rock. And all of a sudden I saw God's arm swing out of heaven and knock that rock out of my hand. And finally I have meaning to what that is. Anytime you give Anytime you offer something to God, listen to me, it has to be what he asked for. 
you can't just give him any old thing. So he knows the difference between a rock and your heart. And many times, man, many times we try to fool God. We go through the motions and say, well, God, here's my worship and God, here's my best and God, here's my heart. It's like, no, no, that's not your heart. That's just a rock. And one of the most concerning things in the Bible is this. People that stand before God and hear him say, get away from me. I never knew you. That's one thing we never want to hear. Do we understand? We want to know God. And the way that we know God is to not give him a rock, to not go through the motions, but to offer him the sacrifice that he's asking for. Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Listen to the message that Jesus Christ has for his church. Before I begin, God, I just pray for those, God, in this moment who really don't get church, don't get why they have to be here, don't get why we worship like we do, they don't get how we can be devoted to a God we can't even see. There's people that are sitting here, God, their, their, their hearts are cold and they are indifferent because they just don't get any of this. I pray for them in this moment, God, you know who they are. God, would you touch their hearts right now? Touch their hearts right now to show them that you love them, that you're real, and that this message will save their soul. If you want to believe, I'm going to give you the word of God so that your faith might reach for this and that you might know him. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Church, can you say this with me? The required sacrifice. Again, the required sacrifice. Revelation 3, 14 through 22 says this. This is Jesus talking to John. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who was the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Listen to what Jesus says, church. Every single one of us, this letter was written to uh, a specific church, but it's to us as well. And I want you to hear this truth. Listen to Jesus saying this to you. I know all things you do. And we can just pause right there. Man, what does that mean to you? What does that change? How does that resonate in your life? For the king of kings, the one that will judge you in the end, here's what he says. I know all the things that you do. Man, your pastor doesn't know. Your neighbor doesn't know. Sometimes your spouse doesn't even know. Mom and dad don't know. But there's one who knows all the things that we do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. 
But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So listen to this. The one that says, I know everything that you do also says... I correct and discipline everyone I love. Church, say this with me. Lord, correct and discipline me. Why do we need his discipline and correction? Because he knows everything we do. Excuse me. Look, I stand. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and run from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. How many of you were here when my father was pastor? Raise your hand. If you were here when my father was pastor. All right, hands down. Listen to me. One day, I won't be standing in this pulpit anymore. My father preached and preached and preached, and he told people to get ready. He gave them the word of God that God had for them so that their hearts could be pricked and cleansed. Now he's dead. And I've come along to do the same thing. You are sitting under the messages of the next one that God has given you. But listen, if God delays his coming, there will be a time where I no longer preach in this pulpit. I've already got a plot out in, at, at the cemetery already picked out. So Damien Tibbs is going to die. But listen to me, that there's a spirit in this body, a soul in this body that's going to go and to be with the Lord. You have to understand that, that that's what this is all about. Nobody gets to stay in these bodies we all die and listen to me young people die too please hear my heart don't ever say to yourself I've got time to get right with Jesus by a show of hands how many of you adults had that mindset where you were young Uh, I'll give my life to God later, right? I'm going to have fun for now. So many of us did that, and we were stupid. We were foolish to live a life in sin, not knowing that God could take our breath away in just one moment. He loves us so much, and that is why he sends messages like these. So what are we to do now? Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. 
How will you be saved? God loved you enough to put a preacher in front of you that will tell you the truth. I'm not going to preach up here on how to make more money and how to live your best life now. I'm preaching towards eternity because that's where I am going and that's where you are going as well. But how about now? What are we to do? How do we get our hearts clean and the right spirit within us? James chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 say this. Listen, church, here's the answer. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So church, we've got to come close to God now. We've got to come close to God now while we have breath in our bodies. We have to come close to God now, but there's only one way that we can come close to God. And he says that we must be clean. And what is it that has soiled us? What is it that has made us unacceptable? What is it that makes us dirty, that makes God say, no, I will not have you for my son? It's divided loyalty. What is divided loyalty? I love God, but I love the world too. I'm devoted to God, but I'm devoted to the world too. And God will not have that. There's no bride. There's no groom that would stand. I've, I've, I've never married two people standing here and had someone say during their vows, honey, I'll marry you, but I'm going to keep my girlfriend. Honey, I'll marry you, but I'm going to keep my boyfriend. If that had been said, a bride would have walked off the stage or a groom would have walked off this stage. So why do we think God would marry us if we're in love with the world too? Be very careful, everybody, because listen to me. This sin is very casual and common right now because we begin to think that, oh, it's just a little of the world. I mean, it's not that bad. It's not as much as they do over there. But God is saying, I know you, that you are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, so I will spit you out of my mouth. So God says that we should be crying about this and deeply sorry and in grief. He says that we should humble ourselves as a sacrifice and be washed. By a show of hands, how many do desire to go to heaven when they die? Let me see if I'm in the right place. Perfect. This message is for you. He desires that we be clean. So what is the offering that God asked for? What is the required sacrifice? And listen to me, the required sacrifice is always and only the offering that God asked for. I want to say that again. This needs to penetrate your heart. The required sacrifice is always and only the offering that God asked for. 
So what if Jesus, on his way to the cross, would have gathered 10,000 sheep and brought them to Calvary and said, Father, I am presenting you with 10,000 of the finest sheep of Israel. They are clean and they are without blemish. And I give them to you as a sacrifice for the redemption of mankind and the saving of their sin. Would God have taken that sacrifice? No, because that's not what he asked for. He asked Jesus Christ to come to this earth and die for our sins. So the only acceptable sacrifice is the one that God asked for. Uh, um, just, I got to do this for a moment. Just hold on. The reason I just praise God is because you're hearing this message. The reason I just praise God is because there's still breath in your body and time to get it right. The only acceptable sacrifice is the one that God asked for. So the people that are shooed away in the end, they didn't give him what he asked for. He said this, I never knew what? You, man. Didn't say, I never knew the thousands of dollars and tithes you were supposed to give. I never knew the offerings and and sacrifices that you were supposed to give. He says, I never knew what? You. The sacrifice that God requires is you and all of you. And if you're unwilling to give him what he asked for, then you can't. Have him. If I refuse to pay my mortgage this month and instead go into my son's room and take all of his Nerf guns and Legos and ship them in a box to the mortgage company and say, hey, don't have my mortgage payment this month, but here, I hope this will do. They will slap a big return to sender on that box and ship it right back to my house and say, listen, you've got a few months or we're going to kick you out of that house. You didn't give us what we asked for. Church, please don't listen to me with hard hearts this morning. We don't know when our last breath will be. We've got to make sure that we're continually giving God what he asked for. He asked for your life. All of it. He wants what he paid for. None of you would go to Tom Mall this afternoon and buy a car and then drive away in the same old car you went with, that you came there with. You want to leave in the new car. Why? You want what you paid for. Now listen, listen to this. Psalms 51 and 17. Let's pull that up. Can we read that together? The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Can all of you point to the screen for a moment? And can you say this with me? That is what he asked for. Come on, look at that. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Give him what he asked for. 
Let's look at this. We're going to Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 18. Here's what it says. Remember, our theme right now, or the message title, is offering the required sacrifice. The thing that I want to stand out in this moment is that the required sacrifice is always and only. Church, can you say always and only? Louder, always and only. Listen to me, church. The required sacrifice is always and only the offering that God asked for. We don't get to give him something that he didn't ask for. And the main thing that he's not asking for is half our hearts, half our allegiance. He doesn't want a divided heart between the world and him. He wants what he asks for. Genesis 22, 1 through 18 says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. What did God do to Abraham? God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son. Who's talking right here? Take your son. Your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Remember, he knows everything. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up at what time? Early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know. Church say, I know. He says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But when the required sacrifice is given, he says, now what? I know. Now I know. 
when you give him what he asks for, then you are known by him and he knows you. Now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its, thick, its thorns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it. And this passage finishes out with God pronouncing a blessing upon Abraham because he knew now that he could be trusted. So church, my message to you this morning is can you be trusted to give God what he asked for? Man, don't you dare die and go into the presence of God not have given him on earth exactly what he asked for. All he ever wanted, man. All God ever wanted was you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He did it for you. The sacrifice of God was the son, Jesus Christ, so that he could purchase your salvation. It's a great disgrace and dishonor to stand before a living God at the end of time and have not giving, given him what he paid for. He paid for you with his own son. Say this with me. The required sacrifice is always and only the offering that God asked for. Let's go into Matthew now, chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. Remember, Moses, God asked Moses for something. Now listen to what Jesus asked for. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So what would make us try to hang on to our own lives? It's the thing that makes us dirty before God. It's the thing that causes us to be lukewarm. The thing that would make you hold on to your, our own lives is this. Listen to what it's called, divided loyalty. I love God and I love the world. I love righteousness and I love sin. I love his commandments, but still I love lust. I'm just not sure about this God. Divided loyalty. Jesus died for our sins, church, but we must die for our Savior. By dying to evil desires and living for him. Listen to what he said in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. God, I pray that the channels of their hearts would still remain open. I pray that their ears would remain open, that attention, Father God, would be on this word that we might be washed and know how to wash others and tell them the truth in Jesus' name, amen. Listen to what God said. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. 
Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. Did you hear that, church? Man, there's so much of this world at our disposal. But God says, do not love it. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live how long? Forever. Church, we got to be careful. There's some things in this world that we can love, but God says don't love it. A lot of us love our phone. Don't believe me, leave it at home. You'll turn around and go get it. We can have our phone on the kitchen counter and our Bible on the kitchen counter and we'll turn around and go get the phone and the Bible will stay right there. That's wild. Come on. Say this with me. Jesus, tell me about myself. Come on. I want to know. I want to know now, right? I want to know now. All right, Kimberly. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. The wood, the fire, and the knife. Let's start with the wood. Genesis 22 and 6 says this. Help me, Holy Spirit. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked together. Church, what was on Isaac's shoulders while they walked together? That was the right answer. Say it all together. The wood. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering. Where at? On Isaac's shoulders. Listen to this. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your what? Cross. Where's a cross carried? On the shoulders. And follow me. What's the cross made out of? Wood. Faith and the cross of our salvation. The instrument of his death and ours. So while we don't carry a wooden cross around, we do carry around faith in the cross. Faith that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and faith that we were also crucified with him. Galatians 2.20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isaac carried wood. He was the sacrifice. We carry wood. We are the sacrifice. Now let's talk about the fire. Genesis 22, verses 6 and 7 says this. 
So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried what? The fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? We're talking about the fire now. Matthew 16, 24 says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. So we've got this wood that we're carrying as we follow. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, he says, yes, my love. We say, hey, we have the fire and we've got the wood, but where is the sacrifice? Romans 12 and 1 tells us where <laughs> this sacrifice is. And so, dear brothers and sisters, listen, church, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy, what? Sacrifice. The kind he will find, what? Acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So when we pick up our crosses to follow Jesus, we are the sacrifice, and he has the fire and the knife. And John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11 says that he baptized with water, but Jesus, listen, listen, the fire, the fire. Jesus baptizes with fire. What is Jesus baptized with? Fire. And the fire of God represents the presence of God. And if we're going to host the Holy Spirit, he comes with fire. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, On the day of Pentecost, just like we're meeting here, all of them were together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. And the, as the Holy Spirit gave them ability, we see God as fire in Exodus when he led the children of Israel at night by a pillar of fire. It said that he went ahead of them and guided them. And as they traveled, the fire of God, church, that falls upon our sacrifices, which is us, is the Holy Spirit. And we are desperately in need of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you why as we come to an end here. Romans 8, 26 says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. A lot of us have been weak recently. We just can't do the godly things on our own. We try, but we fail over and over again. We just get so weak. We know we're supposed to read our Bible. We know we're supposed to fast, not just a Daniel fast, not just the beginning of the year fast. We're supposed to fast throughout the year because the Bible says when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, Lord, help us to fast, God. We have this love with food. We have this love with our phones. We have this love with this world, God. But your word says that if we love the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. God, we don't want to be disqualified. 
We want to carry your Holy Spirit. And this is the reason why we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So in order to follow Jesus, we're in desperate need of help. Why? To endure the fire. What can you burn that comes out better than before? Gold. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says this. Church, if you're not already going through some things, you're going to be going through some things. If you're not already going through things, you will be going through them. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit as you carry this cross as a living sacrifice. Because we're going, we're going to need the help of God. Because listen to what we can expect. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13 says this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. How many have been going through some stuff? going through some fiery trials. Listen, don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. First Peter 6 and 9 tells us this, be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So listen, church, as we walk with God, there's a constant fire that's burning in us and around us. The fire that's burning in us is the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire that's burning around us sometimes are the fiery trials that are just constantly proving our faith and allegiance to God. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him. This is for those at the beginning of the service. Remember, I said you find it hard to do church because like, how do you guys worship a God that you don't even see? Listen to this. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That explains the fire. We come to the last portion, which is the knife. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked together. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. What does this knife represent as it relates to our walk with God? John 1.14 tells us that Jesus Christ is the word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12.13 tells us this. Here's where the knife comes in as we walk with God. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest, what? Two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So as Jesus walks with us as we carry this wood and the fire of the Holy Spirit, he's got a knife as well. The knife is the word of God 
that cuts away from us those things that do not need to be there. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Verse 13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are all accountable. Please stand to your feet. So we know now that God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. We know now that the thing that washes our hearts was the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. So as long as we repent and ask God to forgive us of our sin and we turn from them and walk after God, just as Isaac walked with Abraham and there was wood and there was fire and there was a knife in our walk with God today. There is wood and there is fire and there is a knife. The wood is the cross that he says that we must deny ourselves with. The fire is the fire of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The fire is the fiery trials that surround us and perfect our faith. And the knife is the word of God cutting away those soulish things, those worldly things. When you read your Bible, it's like going through a swinging sword. And as you read the word, it cuts away those things that are hiding on the inside of you that you might be found clean. But I have a warning for you. Just because your heart is clean now, don't leave it empty. This is for those of you that struggle with repetitive sins. On Monday, you fall into this sin and you ask God to forgive you and he forgives you, but on Wednesday, you're doing it again and the urge this time is even stronger. Some of you, you wrestle with repetitive sin and how does that happen? Like, God, I ask you to wash my heart and forgive my sins, then how come the next time around, it seems like the urge to do this sin is even more strong? Listen to this. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 and 45. Listen to this. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home, empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. So a clean heart isn't one that's just swept and clean, but occupied. We must not bow down to the world. We must be willing to endure the flames of standing out, the flames of being set apart. We must not compromise because when we compromise, it wets the wood and all we do is blow smoke. That's what religious people are. They just blow a lot of smoke. There's no fire. There's no power. It's just wet wood. Wet wood is very smoky. So what wets our wood? Compromise. When we dibble and dabble in the things of the world, we compromise and we don't burn hot for God and we only release smoke. Psalms 119.71 says this, my suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your commands. My question is, what kind of suffering have you been going through? Sometimes God causes us to suffer 
because it's the only way that he can get our attention. That's why David said, it was good that my soul was afflicted so I could learn your decrees. Let's bow our heads. Wow, God, I can't believe it. <laughs> 